It kind of went a little bit viral. Canberrans are the best, but that point aside... I don't think the university is going far enough. It was scary. It was really scary. Cut your hair, put on a suit and infiltrate. It was always, there's nothing we couldn't achieve just because of gender. This is Caught in the Act on 2XXFM. Welcome to another week of Caught in the Act. I'm your host, Zoe Halstead, and I'm here with Josh Begby. Hi, Josh. Hey, Zoe. How's it going? Yeah, very good, thank you. Staying warm? Yeah, yeah, trying to. Um, On today's show, we'll be discussing sexual health and what's stopping young people from getting tested, the underground industry of buying academic work, and, of course, the attack last week at ANU. But first up, Canberra's never-ending winter. Just five days out of spring, snow hit Canberra yesterday. Josh, can you believe it? I know, it's ridiculous. I, I missed it, unfortunately, um, but I was there a few years ago when it snowed for a millisecond and everyone freaked out. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I was in a tute and we like pushed the tutor aside and we just ran to the window. It was it was um, really exciting times, but I am kind of petrified of winter ending because that means magpie season starts. They've already started. Have they? Yep, confirmed swoopings. I have been swooped. Oh, God. So, I'm, I'm so afraid. I got a double swooping in one go last year, and ever since, I have I am, like, truly petrified. Yeah, get your zip ties out. <laughs> uh, moving on now to recent news from Canberra. On Friday morning, ANU made national headlines when a student attacked his statistics tutor with a baseball bat, injuring three others in the process. Josh, what were you thinking when you heard about the attack? Well, I was at work, actually, um, and someone was live tweeting it and sort of the news was breaking. And she was she worked at the ABC, the person who was doing it. Um, and it was sort of coming out in piecemeal fashion. We didn't know how big of a thing it was. But pretty quickly we realized it was over before it had started. Um, and we sort of got about on about our day. And then a few hours later, texts started flooding in from people who were out of town, sort of checking if I was all right. And they were really concerned. And I think, you know, at the back of their minds, there was this could be a big attack. This could be, you know... Uh, terrorism or some sort of racially motivated thing and it's something that people started freaking out about. Yeah, no, I had the same experience. I was actually with a group of ANU students visiting an embassy uh, and so we are in the middle of a talk when the attack happened and we all kind of came out of the talk and everyone was on their phones and just everyone had been bombarded by messages saying, are you okay, are you okay? Um, And it's just really odd because I think the attack did raise questions of safety on campus and that kind of thing and People were, you know, everyone was saying it's still safe to be at uni. But for me, I didn't really ever question whether it was safe to be at uni. Like, as you said, it was over before it even started. They caught the attacker so quickly. Mm. Uh, it's, it's interesting how these things can kind of get blown out of proportion quite quickly. Mm. Yeah, exactly. But it is a reminder that campus isn't as safe as, you know, we sometimes think it to be. Like, you walk around it like it's your home or like it's a school. Mm. Um, but the city's just there. People can come in and it can be dangerous. And we know at nighttime it's a dangerous place. Yeah, I remember last year we had a series of, I think it was like three or four attacks in, in one week during exam period. People were hanging around libraries and stuff. And I was much more afraid then because we didn't know who was doing it. It was at nighttime. And they seemed to be attacking people randomly. Whereas this uh, although we don't know the motivations of the attack, it was a once-off during the day. They were caught really quickly. So I, I don't think there's reason to be alarmed in this situation. No, certainly not. People Powered Radio, 2XX 98.3 FM. 
Up next, I chat to Dr. Erica Unsworth about what's stopping young people from getting tested for STIs. But first, here's Frank Ocean's latest track, Provider. Memo finished, start acting out if I don't see him soon. Yeah, my best friend ain't begging out, I still on sight. Fool, I'm the only one out here on the night loose. I'm the only one out here on the night loose. Trophy case still light, body need a race stripe. And these minerals on my body break light. And these reds on my body break light. New man coming up ahead on his own too. Is you a natural blondie like Goku? Sleeping on my belly and I loop like a serpent. Talking heads rippling on the surface. Eyes low, chin, every shoe gazer. Moonwalking, R.I.P. Stanley Kubrick. You had you some birthdays, could you prove it? Show me the wisdom in your movement. Show me some wisdom in your movement. Feelings you provide, feelings you provide. I know, I know. Feelings I, feelings I know. Children, hand me down fits. Chest pass, he missed off rotation. Stiff smile, just like I'm a fixed man. Pat, pat, go on your pack, trying to find my zip. Blunt twist, tight ropes, I'm not falling. Watch friends go pro through fish out lens. Drowning off clear, I just saw jaws. I've been under influence. Feeling like the Lord just had to reach for me. How I feel, let it make. How I feel, let a man speak for me How they feel, keep your ears split for me Gaze to my face if you spit for me Spit for me Eyes low, chin, every shoegazer Moonwalking, R.I.P. Stanley Kubrick You had you some birthdays, could you prove it? Show me the wisdom in your movement Show me some wisdom in your
Welcome back to Court in the Act on 2XXFM. I'm your host, Zoe Halstead, and today I'm joined by Josh Begbie discussing the latest on youth issues in Canberra. For many of us, sex ed was a few cringeworthy hours in Year 7 we would all rather forget, and studies show many of us do. Recently, I caught up with Dr Erica Unsworth to find out what's stopping young people from getting tested. Just a warning that this segment does discuss sexual assault and might not be uh, suitable for all listeners. So there's a number of barriers that I've come across so far in my practice. Um, One being that a lot of the time people just don't realise that it's something that they should do. Generally speaking, um, for anybody who is sexually active, it is important to at least have the discussion with a health provider, whether that be your GP or one of the sexual health clinics perhaps to at least see whether it would be worthwhile in your case to have STI screening. Generally speaking, for anybody who is sexually active, it's definitely a good idea, but there are certain situations that put you at high risk of certain types of infections. So in those situations, it just means further screening compared to the average baseline sort of test. In a 2002 national survey of Australian secondary students, it found that over 50% of teenagers that were using the contraceptive pill didn't use a condom to protect themselves from STIs. Do you think there are some misconceptions around how STIs are transmitted and who can get them? I think there probably are. Um, I think some people aren't aware that you know, if they are on some form of contraceptive, that still using condoms is a good idea. I think a lot of people think about pregnancy as the main issue Mm. in terms of having sex and being worried about that being a concern. Um, But another issue is that a lot of people are asymptomatic carriers of infections. So particularly things like chlamydia, there can be people who show absolutely no symptoms. And for them, they might be thinking, oh, I'm fine, I don't have any symptoms, surely I don't have an STI. But, you know, if you don't test for it, you don't know for sure. And if you're not using condoms and there's no way of ensuring that it's not spread to another person or that you don't contract something yourself. So is it quite common to be an asymptomatic uh, carrier of an STI? Um, Fairly common, yes. Right. That's not something I've ever heard Mm -hmm. about before. Mm -hmm. I think that's another thing that a lot of people aren't aware about and definitely should be something that's discussed in those high school programs when they do talk about sexually transmitted infection. I remember myself again, year five or six, I think was the first time, you know, at school we had that sort of conversation. Mm. I remember at the time thinking it was silly and laughing and carrying on with my friends because at the time it just didn't seem all that relevant. Um, but yeah, again, definitely in high school, perhaps, you know, around that age when most people do become sexually active, the conversation sort of wasn't brought up at that point. Mm. And I think that's definitely something that should be looked at because, you know, it is really important in terms of, you know, overall wellbeing and health to have that discussion and just to reduce some of the stigma around it as well. Yeah, I know, um, I know a lot of people's experience as well of those high school programs is that, you can sort of feel scared out of having sex. You know, they talk mm. about STIs, like if you get one, you're doomed, mm. um, and and that kind of attitude. Do you think that's the right way to approach it mm. with young people? Um, overall, I'd say it probably isn't the best way to approach it. I think um, the discussion of STIs should really be more of that a discussion rather than a um, scare tactic, I guess. 
because realistically at the end of the day you know the majority of people will have intercourse at some point in their life whether it be to have children or because they're in a relationship or you know having a casual partner and you know for whatever reason that's okay um, but you know the discussion should be had so that everybody's aware of their own health and also the potential of passing on infections to other people yeah some other people at my university have had some kind of negative experiences with GPs when they have gone to get tested, whether that's the GP asks a lot of questions or is reluctant to conduct tests or uh, wants really quite personal information before doing testing. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is an issue in uh, general practice and, and do you think there's kind of a, a cultural shift going on? I guess in regards to the questioning that some people may um, receive from a general practitioner, most of the time the reason why that they're asking those questions is to gauge the level of risk. So for certain populations, like the men who have sex with men population or MSM population, they're at higher risk of things like HIV um, and also hepatitis A infections mm. and things like that. And when GBs do gauge a level of risk, is that mm. just so that they know what they're dealing with or will they determine based on that level of risk whether it's worth doing a test at all? Um, it does definitely determine what tests you do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, for an average heterosexual person, I normally would not test for hepatitis A, for example. Um, the other thing that you know may not happen for someone who's heterosexual is um, more invasive swabs, whether it be into the mouth or other areas of the body. Um, and I guess realistically, you know, when you look at the whole population, there are issues with testing too much. So if a person walks in and you do every test possible on them, you may pick up some diseases that you know you didn't know about, which could be useful and you could treat. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of things that you could pick up that you know may not necessarily have caused any problems to begin with if it was left alone and you might cause harms by by further investigating that too far and as well as that um, it can cause a lot of distress for a person you know if they're finding out all of these you know diagnoses or these results Mm -hmm. that may not have necessarily needed to be picked up if that makes sense so a lot of the time when we do decide on what tests we want to do we're looking at a population based overview and what is most likely in that population and testing for those things in that 2002 national survey of australian high school students there was a lot of focus on drugs and alcohol and Mm -hmm how likely young people were to have sex while high or having consumed alcohol. Does that play a part in people's sexual health? Mm. I think it definitely does. When you're under the influence of drugs and alcohol, you're more likely to engage in risky sort of behaviours and you're less likely to think about things like using condoms. Mm. Um, So I think, you know, if you're going to put yourself in a situation where you may be under the influence of drugs or alcohol, um, it is important to prepare beforehand and I guess always keep in mind that if you are going to be engaging in you know sexual intercourse or sexual contact to at least be prepared you know and have condoms available so that you know when you're in that situation it's easy for you to just grab a hold of them. Um, Unfortunately there are some situations where sexual assaults can happen particularly under the influence of drugs and alcohol which is a very unfortunate thing that occurs in our society and in that situation you know 
the next day, the next morning, you know, um, when the person realises what had happened, it can be quite distressing. Um, that can also be a very hard conversation to have with another person, but again, it is a really important conversation to have to prevent any further complications, prevent pregnancy, prevent STIs, and to get access to any counselling services that are needed as well. That was Dr Erica Unsworth, a GP from Interchange General Practice, discussing youth sexual health. Josh, did you know that people can be asymptomatic carriers of STIs? I did know that. Um, I think the sex education that I've had has been pretty exceptional. And I don't know how. Part of it is in high school we had a teacher who kind of went off the rails and she said, like, she was a PE teacher and she said, look, kids, like, you don't need to know about Oztag. This term, every, you know, this class, every double period, we're just going to have, like, free question time. Um, and that was really valuable. That was really important. But, and also when I moved to university, I, I think that's when I first learned that fact. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think one of the most awkward parts about getting tested for people is the possibility of being found positive and then having to tell uh, past partners that they mm. could be too. Um, I had a friend go through this recently and she just said it was a really awful experience. You know, she texted her uh, past partners and they were just really rude to her about it. Uh, but after my conversation with Dr. Unsworth, she actually emailed me a link to a website called letthemknow.org.au, which lets you anonymously contact your sexual partners, let them know that they may have an STI, which is, I think, a really good service because it just gets rid of so much of that awkwardness. I wonder if they need to be able to place when they sort of got the STI so they know who they need to tell. Or yeah, can, that's true. Can you but do I... that with that service? You could say, hey, at this time... You know, in this one week period, I don't know if you're having sex with many people, but... Yeah, I don't know. But I guess like if you if you got this anonymous message saying you could have an STI, hopefully that would prompt you to get tested. And then from there, you would know to tell people. Uh, yeah, I guess mm, that is a bit of an from issue. from when, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely... It's, a, it's an uncomfortable thing to have to talk about, which is a shame. It shouldn't be. This is Julia Gillard and you're listening to Community Radio 2XX. Up next, Josh chats to a student about why he almost sold academic papers for money. But first, this is Dream Notions by Tindery. Be sure to check them out at the Phoenix this Saturday night. My mind is open Like the sweet dream door shone Will carry my way through Outcomotion My sight's going right Nothing more My head's in flight This sweet dream notion
You're listening to Caught in the Act on 2XXFM. I'm Zoe Halstead here with Josh Begbie. Have you ever panicked finishing off an assignment at the last minute and considered paying someone to do it for you? Believe it or not, there is actually an industry for this where people will write papers for a price. Josh spoke to Simon, not his real name, about how he found himself on the cusp of that world. So I had my details on this like student website and I got an email from this guy and he's like, can I have help with applying for a master's degree? I thought we'd be meeting up, like actually teaching him basics of what we wanted to learn and applying for master's degrees. And um, But then he didn't, he refused, didn't want to meet up, which was, I thought was a bit odd, but whatever, easier mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Um, and he just said, he, he sends me emails and I, he tells me, he asks me how long it takes me to reply and I charge him, I tell him, okay, that took me three hours, so you owe me. But pretty quickly it became more than just sort of study notes. Yeah, so initially it was how to apply for masters, which is like advice and tips. You can't really plagiarize that, you have nothing to plagiarize, it's just I mean, he needed help mm. with what you need to apply for, apply to and what sort of things he would need to do that um yeah but then eventually he was like oh i need help with my courses as well i was like okay what kind of help would you need and that's when it started he i realized something was uh maybe he'd been seeking this this kind of help from other people for a while right yeah and what do you mean by that well so he's not the best uh well english is obviously not his, his first language is what i'm saying and that's i'm not saying that's anything bad like i the fact that he can do a course in his second language is absolutely astonishing. But um, the emails he sent me will be in broken English, like the tenses will be wrong. It obviously just doesn't make sense, you know? Yeah. Um, and and that was my first thing to him. I was like, well, I didn't say this to him, but in the back of my mind, it's how can you apply for a master's degree in the UK? Because he wants to apply for a master's in the UK if you, don't, if you can't really speak English fluently. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, oh, it's maybe he's just like ambitious and whatever. I'm not going to knock his dreams down just telling him that he can't speak English well. Um, but then when it was it came to what kind of stuff he needed to uh, he needed to apply for a master's, so I asked him if he had any re- like uh, writing samples he'd need to provide and a research proposal, and he sent me some of those, and they were completely perfect right. in terms of English and really like well written. Mm. So do you suspect that you're one of a few tutors? Absolutely. Um, who all work together here. And I, like, I don't really, I don't write stuff for him because I don't like to do that kind of stuff. Like, I've come close to realising I should stop. That was going to be my next okay. question, is how close do you get to writing things for him? Um, so, yeah, as I said at the start, it was me just writing documents of advice. And I don't, you can't really plagiarise that. And then it was when he was asking me to summarise articles for him. And I thought, that's fine, because... That's just a, if I it, he can't bother to read, he hasn't got like time, and I just want to provide a he wants a summary of a reading. I think that's absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. You can get them online if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it, it came to my knowledge that he was actually he had to do this for tutorials, which was provide a reading response of articles. Mm-hmm. Um, so the thing the the summaries I was providing him obviously were then directly going for accessible work. Yeah, I don't know if it's like goes on to his actual grade this is like a week a weekly thing but possibly yeah like there's a there's a chance there might be mm. and that was like only one or two things i did for him like that and he'd send me back stuff of his work that i was like can i see your reading response and it would be what i sent him right so i've stopped that was the once or twice but now i'm not doing that anymore but as you say it could be quite hard to get caught and 
there's potentially money to be made here. Yeah. And I say this because it's I know conflict. I've heard of people who are in your circumstance who are much further down the rabbit hole. You can go to and they almost have tiers of payment and you can pay them more for a higher mark. Oh, yeah, okay. And they'll say, they'll say, <clears> yep, <throat> this is how much a pass is going to cost you. If you want a credit, it's this much, this much for a distinction. I need this much lead time on it. Here are the subjects I can do it in. And I mean, I've looked at that before. I mean, like, that's so strange. How do you get there? And then I've heard your story and realized that, I mean, this is how it starts. Mm. Oh, yeah. That I No doubt that, like, if I continue doing this, he'd ask me, can you please write this essay for me? Mm. Firstly, I can't be bought, like, genuinely, I couldn't be bothered to do that. Mm. It was my first thing. But also, yeah, it's unethical. I feel uncomfortable knowing that someone can buy their way through uni and obtain a degree that's not their own work. Mm. Um <clears throat> I I actually don't know the level of like academic misconduct on my behalf. If I were to do that, <clears throat> I don't know what the rules are in that regard. Mm. Um, because you wouldn't think there's anything wrong with us meeting up and me helping him write it himself. Me say, oh no, you should say it this way. Yeah, if you were discussing the article mm-hmm. and you were both, in, you know, summarising it in your words as opposed to sharing a written link, would see that as less culpable. I think if we were at the same institution and we were doing the same courses and I was being assessed for those courses mm. 100% that's academic misconduct mm. but I'm not doing the courses he's doing um, I'm not in the same uni as him yeah and he, but even as I said like there's a slight risk of that happening it's like I'm not I'm not going to do that for him yeah because I don't gain yes the money's good but like it's not worth the risk for me just to go back on something you said earlier mm-hmm. about him buying his way through uni, uh, before we started recording this, we were talking about um, he's only cheating himself. Um, well, that's what I was saying. Yeah. You know, you, 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 he, this person's going to come out of uni without the skills that the degree says that they should have. Yeah. Whether that's just, you know, the ability to write an essay um, from like a, in English, if they're struggling with English, but also the knowledge that's in that essay, they just don't have it. Do you think that's, what do you think about that? Well, you hear that phrase like a lot, like he's only cheating himself. But at the end of the day, he's going to have a degree out of it. And I know you say he won't have the knowledge, but how much of how much content do you really remember from your mm. courses? Mm. And like, if he's just, if this is just something he needs to get by to like do, I'm sure, I, I don't believe that like he, all of his courses he, he pays people to do. I'm sure it's just like, one or two or whatever and that's not, I'm not saying that's good but he will be getting something out of uni and I feel that he is gaining a lot from this and to just say oh you know he's only cheating himself well yeah but yeah. he's gaining from this a lot do you have any sense of how big this industry is huge like as you say you can go online you can pay people to get an HD or a D or a credit like mm. <laughs> if there's different tiers of that level it's huge so would you ever report him? At the moment, I don't think he's committed because I don't have proof that he has like cheated of other people. Mm. If he ever, if 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 I found out that he had like completely plagiarized maybe some of my work, I would I would consider reporting him. But then I don't know, like maybe that would get me into trouble, so it's not worth it for me. Yeah. But as I said again, I don't really see how I would because. I don't go to this uni. That was Josh Begbie talking to a student who was propositioned to sell academic papers for money. You're listening to 2XXFM, people-powered radio. Thanks for joining us on Court in the Act. Make sure to like us on Facebook, subscribe to Court in the Act on iTunes, or tune in next week at 6.30 on 2XXFM.